Welcome to a special edition of Real Talk with Real People, the place where real conversations take place. I am your host, Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones. Today, my team and I are going to talk about a sensitive subject, child abuse in our public schools. The allegations of a teacher in Camden County has not only upset my team, but has moved us to action. So today, I interrupted our regular board meeting to engage in a candid conversation about Winslow School Number 4. Now, in fairness, I have not spoken to the principal, the teacher, or the superintendent of schools. Our discussion will be based on parent allegations and a response to an ongoing petition regarding this case. The conversation will be candid and clearly our own opinions and concerns. So take a listen. I have a um, a colleague who works in Camden County, and um, she is the one who made me aware of a situation that was happening um, at Winslow School Number Four, I believe. It's a it's a pre K and K through three school, and. Um, I'll tell you what I was told, and then we'll talk about um, some of the links that we we had. Um, the preschool teacher is a new teacher, a non-tenured teacher, and also um, a white teacher in a predominantly Black school with um, little Black children. <laughs> and apparently... And this is what I've been told, and we're going to talk about um, some of the um, other parents who have um, also collaborated this. This teacher is acting aggressively and cruelly toward these little three-year-olds, doing things like stepping on their hands, um, I think yanking them by their collar, and then bragging about it to her colleagues about how... um, She is mistreating these um, babies because they are babies. They're three years old. They are babies. And um, parents found out about it, I was told, by accident because of such bragging um, to her other colleagues. And someone told on her. So um, these parents furious as they should be. And I think that there's just been a lot of um, um, controversy and um, protests and petitions and um, trying to get justice for these parents and these these, um, preschoolers. So we have a platform, we're gonna use our platform to talk about um, what is happening 
in hopes that um, this news will get around to other people who um, will talk about it and it'll it'll be talked about it so much that the principal and the school board and everybody involved will have to take action. We'll have to at least investigate this teacher to see if these allegations are true. So um, I sent um, Lexi, you and Vicki have um, the information that was sent to me. So let's 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 take it from there. Let's talk about what we already what we know. Always under I was under the impression if an allegation is made, there should automatically be an investigation. You know, and so and you know that even though the child is as young as they are, and, and reading and the, the woman, the mother was saying uh, the child's not able to sleep. And it and has I'm not sure whether or not he has nightmares, but for me, as a parent, I would go to the school first to make them aware. And then I would talk to my child's pediatrician because the fact that they can't sleep, you know, and for him to have a, him or her have a dialogue with the doctor. And maybe a therapist should come in to talk to the child because sometimes they can get more information out of a child than a parent can. But for the school not to act upon it, I'm appalled. And but it seems like there was an incident last week that a girl, a young girl, was being bullied, and she was beaten up by girls in school. And I saw I somebody videotaped it, and I saw the beating. Nobody came to her aid, and the next day she committed suicide. And and it, and. Another the parent of the school had said, another parent of the school had said her daughter was also bullied and she took it to the principal and the superintendent of the school and nothing was done. And I hear that often, that when their children are bullied, nothing is done. All right. Um, Lexi, because you work in the uh, school system, not that school system, <laughs> um, but a school system, as do I. Um, as a school psychologist, how much of this do you hear about? And and to Vicky's question, shouldn't there have been an investigation? I don't understand either why there was no investigation. There should have been. So I have read these stories online myself, but I have not experienced this at all in my five years of being a school psychologist. I'm now halfway through my sixth year, and this is still not something I have experienced. I have not had a parent come to me or the principal or the superintendent to complain about physical or verbal abuse from a staff member to a student. Um, as far as investigations for allegations, um, I, I haven't, I, to my knowledge, I haven't had a staff member be investigated. There hasn't been a situation where a staff member was switched out of a classroom or gone for a certain amount of time. I have not experienced that in my career. Um, but as far as bullying allegations, those are typically conducted by the principal. 
Um, I'm typically not involved in those and mainly because I'm not there every day. So I'm not likely to know when a bullying situation has occurred unless a student comes to me about it. Um, and when they do, I report it to the principal and she follows through to determine if it is bullying or just a one-off incident. Um, but so I don't know what it takes for a principal to investigate a bullying situation, how many allegations need to be made, um, before action is taken place. Um, I, I'm not typically a part of those discussions. If anything, I'm brought into the situation after the fact, maybe to provide social skills counseling to the student that is having difficulty displaying appropriate behaviors and appropriate communication with peers, but I'm not usually brought in to be involved in such investigation or, or anything. I, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, when you were hired, Lexis, do they talk about um, practices on if something is, is, is brought to their attention? Is there a protocol for doing things? No, there is not. The protocol is you just go straight to the principal. That's the protocol. If a student tells you a teacher is doing something, or if I suspect a teacher is doing something, I don't investigate on my own. The protocol for every district I've worked in is to go to the principal. And it is the principal's responsibility to do the investigation. He or she is the administrator. I am not. Um, so um, it is the principal to follow through. Okay. Um, this, this case, though, is not with um, kids of an age where they can actually really complain. These are three-year-olds. Mm -hmm. so these are um, preschoolers. And when we, when a parent leaves their babies, in, in the hands of an adult to care for these children. And then there's an allegation that they are literally mistreating those children, those babies who cannot defend themselves. I would imagine that there would be um, a little bit different process put in place. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting you on the line. You have no idea um, what the procedure is in a case like that, because again, that's not your job, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, I'm just wondering how, if, even if I don't have all of the facts as the principal, if there's, if there's even a suspicion that these little ones are being mistreated, I think that would cause me to want to at least uh, remove the teacher. I and think probably observe. I can see the principal observing. Um, and I think the double-edged sword to that is, is a teacher really going to misbehave in, in front of the principal? Highly okay. doubt it. If you put a camera, is a teacher really going to misbehave in front of the camera? Highly doubt it. But I do not think the principal Legally, I don't think the principal can put a camera in the classroom without the teacher knowing. Um, that's um, so as a psychologist, I know we're not there yet, but as soon as I read this, my recommendation is to get a lawyer. And unfortunately, in Camden County, these are probably parents that cannot afford lawyers. I would make a police report, make several police reports, 
take pictures of my child before they go to school, when they come home from school, their neck, their body. Um, and as a school psychologist, work with my child to find ways where they can express what's going on, whether it's pointing to pictures um, or asking questions in short phrases or giving two different options. Um, but I do think at this point, legal action needs to be taken place. Um, and I, I do find that when parents come from a lower socioeconomic status, um, they may not always think about like getting lawyers or advocates, whether parents that I work with that do come from a more middle class or higher socioeconomic status, they know to come to school with a lawyer. Before a meeting has even taken place, they will come and bring a lawyer or an advocate. Um, so unfortunately, parents from Camden County may not be aware of that, but if they are listening, I do feel like at this point, if you feel like you are going to the superintendent and nothing's being done, call a lawyer, call an advocate, call the police, make a police report. Um, if you've gone to the higher ups and you feel like nothing's um, being taken, nothing, the allegations aren't being taken seriously. And when Alexis had said for um, the child, you know, talking to the child, have them uh, give them different options to articulate what's what's happening. That's why I said maybe take him to the pediatrician. He may mm -hmm. be more comfortable, he or she may be more comfortable talking to their doctor, getting a, a therapist involved. Because when you have a, a child that's gone through trauma, you know, they call in a, a therapist. And they're 33 years old. But the fact that the, the principal is like not even doing anything. But I was reading in here that something was, oh, they went to Dyfus. And, and it says that there are other incidents of abuse that was not that she was not aware of with two other students in the same class. So Dyfus had something yeah. on this. Yeah. Why isn't this teacher removed? Mm -hmm. That's my question, um, Lexi, if you can shed some light on that. Mm -hmm. My question is the same as Vicky's. There has been several allegations. So why is this teacher still allowed to be in that classroom with these with these babies? And I'm going to continue to call them babies because mm -hmm. they're three. Um, let me just read this one little, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying, I'm not going to mention any names because I like to keep kids names out of things. Um, but, um, so the post that we were sent, um, the one, um, it says my son, age three attends Winslow school, number four, pre-K three program on Sunday evening at my residence in, uh, Sicklerville the Division of Youth and Family Services came to my house. There was an anonymous report made by someone that my son was physically abused on Friday. Specifically, he was grabbed by the back of his jacket and dropped on the floor on his head by the teacher. I won't mention her name. Um, he was never, we, we were never notified of any incident of him hitting his head. No other parents were ever given letters notifying them either. In fact, this disgusting event is being hidden. Now, that right there gave me to even that this is a teacher that um, has manhandled a child. Um, to me, that's criminal. Um, 
it sounds criminal to me. Am I wrong? No, and corporal punishment is illegal in New Jersey. As far as that is, um, in some states, being able to become, to provide physical discipline to children is legal, but in New Jersey, it is illegal to provide corporal punishment. So teachers, there's no educational staff that is legalized to provide physical discipline to children. That was my I'm that was my impression that Dyfus was there to inform her of the incident. Um, now the parent, for due to confident confidentiality and privacy, the parent of this child cannot be notified if other things happen to other children in that classroom. It's not her child, therefore, she cannot know about incidents from Dyfus or the principal to say this also happened to so-and-so. If parents share that amongst themselves, that's fine. But Dyfus cannot tell another parent about another child. But it seemed like the parent was being informed, which I find very interesting, too, that Dyfus was informing the parent of the incident, not the principal or not the teacher, right. um, which I found just a big question mark. Yeah. And it also states here that the principal... Um, um, condones the um, the the type of behavior, and the assistant supervisor is also in agreement with her. Um, so it looks as though they're not taking the case as serious, which makes me have questions. Um, is there more to this case? Is there something we don't know about? Is there something somebody's not saying? Um, I think the last time I had a conversation with the individual who gave me the information, it said several of the parents took their children out of um, the classroom and then were told that if they did not return the children to the classroom or if they continued to keep the children out of the classroom, they would be removed from, I guess, from the roster. Okay. Because pre-K is, is, is um, first probably... There's no cost for if there some areas pre-K is free, right? You know, um, so they don't return, they lose their spot, right? But the the parents, I feel that the parents at that school should rally together and go to the board of education meeting. Yeah, I agree. Things happen in numbers. Yeah, I think I think that has been done. I think I saw where. there was a, a a a board of ed meeting and the parents mm-hmm. did a, there's a petition um out there is a petition um i i signed a petition myself as a matter mm-hmm. of fact um so there is there is a petition out um regarding this case there's um also um trying to i'm trying to get as much information as i possibly can get um the the petition is actually um, doing quite well, as a matter of fact. Um, right now, they've they've gotten four hundred and seventy two signatures at the moment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It looks like it's making some some kind of a uh, leeway. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so Anita, Anita, 
Uh, thanks for joining us, Anita. Um, if you're not aware of what we're discussing and you're and you're probably trying to figure it out, we are talking about a case that is pending in Camden County, um, Winslow School Number Four for a preschool um, where preschool kids are being allegedly are being mistreated by their teacher. So you can chime in if you would like to. Um, good evening, everyone. I did hear about it. And I think um, everything that was discussed pretty much covers. And I mean, I agree with, you know, a lot of what you just stated. Um, so I don't have anything additional to add. I do have something to add. Um, when we're reading that the principal is supporting the teacher and the assistant principal supporting the principal and the teacher and the superintendent supporting the assistant principal and the principal and the teacher. Um, one thing that I note that I noticed while working in um, Las Vegas that I won't specify um, the district or the school. But from that observation, I'm going to just naturally assume this, this takes place elsewhere, just because I don't believe that that one school is a one-off. There are too many schools in this country for that school to be a one-off. The principal did hire like-minded teachers. So if this principal is, is hiring like-minded teachers, she is going to support the teacher. She hired someone that is like her. This principal also consistent, consistently hired teachers that look the exact same. That is not exaggeration. Every teacher was Caucasian and blonde. And yeah. at one point, prior to me working there and prior to my, and I think when my friend started working there, her first few years, she was the only black teacher out of a out of um a school that predominantly serves a hispanic and african american population you have every single teacher that is caucasian and blonde so not a single teacher looks like you and none of the teachers came from the backgrounds that these students lived in so there's a big cultural disconnect um a psychological disconnect, uh, sociological disconnect um, between teacher and student. And that also impacts how teachers view these students. And I also see that from personal experience, having a friend that worked for this district who was Caucasian, um, she worked for a different school, but she worked for students from a significant lower socioeconomic status from her and her husband. And I was trying to communicate to her what her students were going through at home so she could get an understand why they behaved the way they did in their classroom or why they didn't understand something in their classroom. Um, and she always disregarded what I said. She never took it into consideration. And I told her, I think you need to work with another population. And that was my way of, of politely saying you need to work with only Caucasian students. And I did not feel she was appropriate in children that were not Caucasian. She was not considerate of their background, of the impact families have, of if there's a single mom or a single dad, the impact that has on the child at school 
it it didn't matter to her. And the way she viewed her students as if they were the problem rather than they're a product of a situation that they were born into. And when I would tell her how she could communicate with her parents so she knows what's going on so she could act accordingly in, in class or provide extra support or service, she didn't follow through. And I wasn't sure what else to do. Like, I, I can't call these parents for you. I'm not their teacher. You're the, I'm not even your psychologist. Like, where's your psychologist? You need to talk to her. I don't know who she is. It's like, you need to find out. She has an office there. Even if she's got four other schools, she's probably there at least one day a week. She knew at least she was a female. But I'm like, where's your school counselor? I was giving her strategies to help her classroom to manage behaviors. Having three three-year-olds is a lot. Um, preschool yeah. is borderline education and babysitting. So it can be very um, overwhelming in a preschool class. My friend had a second grade class and it was still overwhelming with behaviors. And I gave her explicit recommendations for behaviors. I even offered to make her charts. I offered to give her prizes, toys. I gave specific recommendations on how to give movement breaks, how to um, we um, reinforce positive behavior, how to redirect negative behavior. She didn't take any recommendations. It just didn't matter to her. And I think when you're, she didn't care, right? And I think when you're working in education and in a certain population, you can't have a nonchalant attitude. And if this is not the population for that teacher, she needs to go elsewhere. But She's a college student like me. She's probably gonna get a discount on her loans. They're gonna get paid for the next 10 years, but she still needs to go elsewhere. She's doing more damage to these students. And I just say that like probably why she's being supported, the principal hired, could have hired a like-minded person. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. This is a great segue into a very um, important question. And um, the importance of having uh, representation, teachers who look like you. Um, this is a predominantly black and brown school. And um, it had been said that the, it's obvious and it has been said that the teacher um, is a Caucasian teacher. Um, so I, I guess this has been a controversy for a long time about um, not having enough um, black and brown teachers to teach in in our communities. Let's talk about that for a minute because I, I'm pretty sure that there's a, a lot of conversation that can be um, had around around that. I know personally, I I don't think I don't think I had a a black teacher until I was in high school. I think I'm sure that throughout elementary school, all of my teachers were Caucasian, right? I never had representation. Um, even now, um, the fight for um, getting more black and brown teachers into um, these predominantly black schools are important and they're, they're the talk. Um, where and and I keep hearing that there are no qualified um, black teachers, especially black male teachers, and even that, to me, 
is is swimming in in, in white supremacy. Uh, I think um, we don't we don't want to discuss what's really happening because we're afraid of opening up cans of worms, and um, we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is always white supremacy um, and the way they see us and the way they treat us, and it starts. Um, even as young as preschool, uh, there's a thing called, um, what is it? Um, the school to prison pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. that also gets a lot of, a lot of talk. <laughs> but let's, let's talk a little bit about that because it's a subject that I have been dealing with now a lot, um, in the last couple of years. So what do you think about that? And, um, well, let's just brought up a a good point that her friend is working in that area to to have her student loan waive. Because if you go into into teaching and if you go into the urban um, community to to work, your your student loans get um, deferred or whatever, you know, because you went into- You probably paid a little bit more also. Is that correct? Um, no, say, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, you mean I? It honestly, salary can depend from district to district. Okay. I've worked in several districts in several states. It has varied my salary. Um, even if it was a Title One district, um, it, salaries can vary from district to district. So sometimes you may get paid more. Sometimes you may get paid a basic teacher salary. Salary, and that's not much, honestly. Right. But there, there, what is the, um, what is the draw to get a, a, a young white teacher to teach, um, black and brown students as young as preschool? Is it because you need the experience? You have to start somewhere? Well, um, for some teachers, they have to pick the grade they want to go into. Um, And some teachers will only become licensed from pre-grade through second grade. I have a few friends that are teachers that chose to only become licensed from pre-grade through second grade. That was a preference to work with younger children. Some teachers choose to only become licensed for um, kindergarten through sixth grade. They don't want to go anything beyond. So it's a teacher's preference what grade they want to teach. Um, when they're going into elementary school or preschool, if they have a license that can include pre-K through fifth grade, then the principal is going to choose whatever grade they teach. They may be asked a preference, but they may not get that preference. So when it comes to the fact that this school goes from pre-K through third grade, um, then the teachers in that school either may only be licensed from pre-K through second grade, like a few of my friends, or they just may be only early education, um, early intervention, because that's the population they chose. Um, when I recall my my um, my grad school, I say this to myself all the time, and this I may, maybe I shouldn't say it's not positive, but out of all the students in my cohort, there was one, two, three, four five of us who were all female out of, maybe there were 30 of us all together. So then 25 were Caucasian. So then out of five, those 25 Caucasian, there are one, two, 
three males. The rest are female. At, I was at a faculty meeting and I honestly had to sit to see how many women there were. There's one male teacher. No, there's two male teachers left. One male teacher left the profession to go to another job to make more money because he, him and his wife want to have another baby. So working in education is not paying enough, paying the bills. So now we're down to two teachers, two women of color, including me. So I'm the school psychologist. No, there's three. So there's three women of color. Two of them are teachers. Both of them, I believe, are second grade. And then I'm the school psychologist, but I'm not there every day. Right. So is the um, issue is the issue salary? Is the issue money? Is it um what's the issue? I, I think there's I think there's different issues. I think as and you can and statistically less people are going into education. So there are less teachers, there are less qualified teachers. There are less teachers going into education due to the salary and due to the uphill battle that education provides. Um, and when I was in school, I don't know why there was only five of five women of color. Um, I don't know why there are, aren't more that go out for education, but my mentor, who's just my friend, she was a school psychologist for, what, 14 years and a teacher for like 10 years before she retired. And typically she was the only woman of color. And when she was going through grad school, she was the only woman of color. And when I go to different conventions, conferences, there aren't many of us. And I, I and having been through grad school and she had been to grad school, um, I don't think there are many men or women of color going out for education. And I think part of it's for the reasons I listed. The salary is not the best. You really have to have a passion for children to work in this field. Um, and there are a lot of uphill battles with education. Um, and as uphill time goes on, we see- let, Let's get back to uphill battles like what? Give us some examples of some of the uphill battles. So when teachers are having a low salary, they also have a low budget as to the resources that are going to be provided in their classroom. So when it comes to books, pencils, erasers, tissues, basic things that children go through every day, teachers are supplying that most of the time out of their own pocket, or they're also putting it on the students back to school list to provide a box of tissues, one roll of um, paper towels, because teachers are not given the resources for their classroom. I have bought my own counseling resources, my own games, my own prices, my own decor for my classroom. Teachers buy their own decor for their rooms. When I was in high school, teachers would buy um, the beakers and all of the materials that we needed for our chemistry projects. The school wasn't providing it, so he paid out of his pocket. So it's stressful for a teacher having to come out of their pocket to pay for all the resources or most of the resources, or um, they recognize that the curriculum they're provided isn't the best. And I voiced, I've been with teachers voicing curriculum concerns to the principals. It's not taken into consideration. Know your children aren't learning, but yet you're having this pressure put on you as a teacher, making sure every child is reading on grade level or above by the end of that school year. However, there's not a curriculum to support that. There, 
there's a classroom of 35 students and one teacher. How is that feasible? And then you have children with IEPs, 504 plans. Now they have to get accommodations. But again, now you have bigger class size because you have less teachers. That means you have less special education teachers. So that's just some of the barriers that teachers go through. And I think that's why some teachers are leaving the profession and why there are less people going into education. And maybe that's why there are less people of color going into education. When I did um, research when I was in um, undergrad, we had to look up the statistics of um, men and women getting hired at professions, the discrepancy in salary and the discrepancy in pay rate and hiring rate amongst different ethnicities. And I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics.gov, that is a government website. And even at that point, there were less um, minorities in the field compared to Caucasians. Um, there weren't many Asians or Hispanics compared to the ratio of how many whites or blacks there were, specifically when it came to how many staff members were of those specific races. Again, there was a still salary discrepancy between um, Caucasians and people of color. So then you're taking into consideration a salary discrepancy. Now you have to pay for your own resources in your classroom. Now that goes into a salary that you barely have for both parts. So I think there are, are different things that, you know, I think those are some of the few things that may play into why there aren't many people of color going into the field. I have not, I have not seen a male, I've seen one male teacher um, as a special education teacher since I've been an educator. Wow. All right. Because we don't have that much time, let's talk about solutions. And all of you can chime in on this because this is just a matter of our opinions at this point, because nobody knows the answer to, the, to these uh, questions, but solutions, what can we do? What can we do for our community? Because we want to keep our children safe. We want to um, do something about the discrimination, um, the inequality, whether it's socially or racially. We, we want to get rid of the whole school to, to prison pipeline. So what can we do? What can we do as regular citizens? of the African-American community or the black and brown community? And what can we do as parents who send our children to school and want to keep them safe? Because we have to come together on this issue because this is a big issue and it's not going away. This is an issue we can talk about every single week for the next 10 years and we probably won't have a solution. So I'm gonna put it out there for each of you to, um, to chime in. Annie, it looked like she was going to say something. <laughs> I think the parent, you have a child, yeah, yeah, going to school, you have to get involved in school. Go to the PTA meetings, PTO, whatever call, you got to be present. You have to uh, introduce yourself to the teacher. Let her know or she know that I'm a parent who cares. Here's Call anytime. I'm here to support you. Blah 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 blah. Go to the um, the board of education meetings. Hear what's going on. Implement. We have 
leave it up to you know. Vicky, it's our on. job that to make sure our get educated. Okay, Vicky, I wanted to tell you that you were breaking up a little bit, so we may not have gotten a lot of that information that you just um, oh, said. Okay, you were breaking up, so I wanted mm -hmm. to stop you so in case you had to repeat yourself. I didn't want you to have to um, go all the way from the beginning, but we didn't hear a lot of that because you were okay. you were breaking up. Um, we're gonna pick it up. And yeah, we're okay. gonna come back in a minute though. Uh, Anita, do you have anything you want to add? Anita, are you still with us? Adrian, do you have anything you want to add? I'm still here. Sorry, I, mm -hmm. I was having a hard time unmuting myself. Okay. Um, certainly, the discussion that we've had here tonight um, is. I mean, it just makes it apparent of what is going on and what needs to happen. Um, getting involved, like Nikki said, PTAs um, and get, let, letting folks know that I am a concerned parent, I care, I would want to participate. Um, and I mean, when you think about the PTA, you know, I look at it like a click, <laughs> just from my experiences with PTAs and, you know, year after year after years, while their ki kids are in school, while our kids are in school, there's, um, there's always the same group of individuals that just kind of go along with their children, um, like with our children, like through the ages over the years, um, and it is rather cliquish, but showing up is half the battle won. And I think more so than just showing up, I think it's um, participating, volunteering in school events to be seen by not just the parents, but the kids in the school. Um, if you're volunteering at football events, you know, the baking events that they have, the bake-offs, whatever. Um, and more community-based involvement too, because it's those regular, like the regular activities that happen. It's in the community, it's in the school, and community comes together. So if you're just the in the in the classroom when you're when there's other activities that are going on outside, then you know, we people of color should be showing up for those events too, because then it makes it, it makes it a level playing field. So when things happen, it's okay. Well, if you're a part of the, the meetings or the groups or what have you, you're having discussion, establishing rapport with um, the other parents that are more than likely not of color, um, and it becomes there, it allows them to see that, okay, I've not had, maybe I have a black friend at work because, you know, that's what they always say. Oh, I have a black friend. Um, but now it becomes more than that because you are going to PTA meetings. I mean, beyond PTA meetings and you're involved in these community events, those relationships that get established, you know, they now become. Um, you know, we're, we're just parents. We're just parents. I got kids, you got kids. 
cut me, I'll bleed. My skin is just darker than yours, but you hang out in the sun long enough and keep going to the, to the tanning salon year round, you're going to be as dark as me. So what is color? See beyond it. You know, we, we love our kids like you love our kids, but it's, it's establishing the rapport, I think, bottom line, with outside of the PTA environment. Because um, it's more than just dropping your kids off and picking them up at the end of the day. It's not a babysitting service. It's an educational institution, and you should be a part of it like anything else that your children are involved in. So that is um, true. that's my little soapbox. That is true. And I know you said it's not a it's not a babysitting service, but Lexi did inform us that it is, some percentage of it is <laughs> babysitting. Yeah, yeah. the three-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're talking about three-year-olds, but still with um with that, when the child comes home from school, it's engagement. It's not, oh, how was you know, you know what I mean? There's there's an, a level of it, even at three, because that's how the kids further develop. You is an extension from being in school. So but you also don't know if they're having engagement after school when they get home with their parents at all. You're saying are you're saying well, this school yeah. that you're talking is basically uh, um, uh, brown and black students right. and Spanish students. And you're talking about one teacher is Caucasian in the whole school or is it more than one teacher? I believe in this situation, there's more than one teacher. Yeah. It's, it's more than one teacher. Yeah. You're talking about three-year-olds. Did, yes. did the child come home and say, mommy, the teacher did this to me? Now, at three years old, are you going to remember the rest of that whole day to think about that unless, you know, it's brought up? Well, if something stood out, if something stood out, because children are innocent. They can say, yes, mommy, the teacher grabbed my, um, you know, grabbed me by the jacket and dropped me on the ground. Like, well, that's, they that's said, normal. Well, you, you weren't know? on when she said this particular child um, had his, his hand stepped on. Did I hear that? Um, yeah, I, I read that. Uh, let's get back to that part. I think. Uh, yeah. But even even with that, I think a child, you know, three years old will tell somebody stepped on my hands today. You know what I mean? Children communicate at three. They don't like carrots. No, I don't want them. You know what I mean? Someone stepped on my hands today. They will communicate because to a degree, well, I, they I, know I that's not I right. Totally with all of that. What you're saying, that part, because okay. you have children who it's open, who hold it's things open for in. discussion. Right, it's open for discussion, but you have children yeah. who hold things in or don't have communication with their parents. Yeah, well, and well, have, wait a minute, and wait a minute, and they also have parents who the, do not attend um um the meetings. The, um, the meetings. True. Let me just but and, and, but and, and I. Just, and the point that I'm making here is that's what needs to be communicated. 
That's what needs to be communicated. I totally get it. I understand that part. But I'm speaking, saying, when I'm saying this, I'm saying that's what needs to happen. It's like, so what's the resolve? How are we going to do it? Well, communication needs to go out to the parents that, you know, you have to be more involved. And, and that's where it starts. How it can happen? Well, it's, it's a case-by-case basis because everybody, you know, some people work two jobs, some people work at night, they sleep in a day. So there's a hundred ways, a hundred reasons why, but I believe moving forward, taking the steps forward, it starts with the parents. So that was the point that I was making it. You know, right. they, that's where it should happen. Yeah. Yes, your point was taken. I wanted to say, though, too, on your point, um, Adrian, um, yes, obviously the, a three-year-old is able to tell his mom that the teacher stepped on my fingers or um, took my apple and wouldn't give it back to me, which is some of the allegations. But what disturbs me is that this mom is saying that he is afraid to take a nap and was not taking a nap in the classroom when when left alone with her. He's afraid of her. So there's already a psychological damage that has been done at three years old. Um, okay, so and, so so then if she's saying that, then apparently she has spoken to the teacher. Yes, she has spoken to um, the teacher, um, according to this chain of um, of even. I know I didn't um, listen to the podcast, so that's why I wasn't saying anything. I just listened. Um, what so we're saying about what was going on. Right. Yeah. Um, so Lexi, I, I also want to say psych as a uh, psychologist, um, psychological damage. Um, what are we talking here? Um, well, the student is currently afraid to go to sleep. So now he's afraid of his safety at the school to the point where taking a nap is a natural part of his routine. And yeah. he's supposed to feel safe when he takes a nap. And no one's going to bother him. So now he's not getting the sleep that he should be at that age. Children that age need a lot of sleep. So now he's not getting that sleep that he should be getting. So now he's missing on his restful time. Now his, um, his sense of danger is heightened too. So he's not feeling safe at all at school. Um, and also that can lead to fear of going to school. And also just fear of school in and of itself. Um, so say whatever happens in the school year gets resolved, there's still a whole nother school year to face and a whole nother teacher possibly at that same school. So you can get into school avoidance um, and also anxiety regarding school, strangers, mm -hmm. teachers, peers. It just can it just provides negative outlook regarding the institution and the building and the people that are supposed to keep you safe. And students won't feel that safety. And you're going to be on alert. You're not going to be focused on school. You're going to be afraid of your teacher. Um, and you're going to have this sense of like needing to fight or flight all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And for children that can show in different ways, but for children it, it shows in misbehaving because they don't know how to communicate. Even if they do, how do they regulate their emotions? How do they regulate that feeling? They cannot. That's right. a big feeling to have to regulate at a very young age. 
But then we have teachers that are recognizing how their behavior is impacting the child. So they may just be seeing misbehavior. And now that just creates a whole nother conflict regarding reprimanding the behavior. And the teacher does not have a safe or healthy way of reprimanding behavior. So it just creates a cycle of, um, of unsafeness and it could invoke anxiety in the student and sadness and depression. Even children this age can experience depression. Um, so that's the different impact that can that this can have on this particular student and all the students in that classroom. Right. All right. I want to thank you all for having this conversation because this is a very needed conversation. Um, Vicki, I know uh, you have a, a one-year-old grandson. I have, I have an almost two-year-old granddaughter. Adrian, you have some young grandkids um, as well. Is that correct? Um, they may not be three. But um, they're still so. I'm I'm talking to us as parents, as grandparents, and and how we would feel if this was our child or if this was our grandchild being mistreated. So, um, thank you for having this conversation. We're, I'm hoping that it brings some awareness. And if anybody, if you're listening to this um, pod, podcast and you would like to help, uh, sign the petition. Sign the petition to. Um, uh, I just, you know what, and I just want to add. No, I don't have grandchildren yet, but I can tell you, my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated. Um, one of our tenets is um, enhance the family. Um, whenever there's anything that's major that happens in the news, and by the way. The foundation of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority is based upon education. The majority of the over 350,000 um, AKA sorors throughout the world um, are educators, black women. So um, we support we support education and everything else. So throughout um, our I think every four or five years we get tenants that we have to focus on. And one of them is enhancing our families. So whatever it is, however the, you know, um, we're gonna execute that tenant, we're all over it. Whenever there is uh, any major events that happen, of, like this is on the radar as well. There's people within the communities, within the administration that are um, a part of like their sorority sisters um, at those high levels. And they're at the tables having the conversation, looking to make the change. So me as a part of that organization, that's how I drive and support it. So and just being, you know, a mother waiting to one day have grandchildren it's, you know, it all hits home. It's, it's our black little children, the future um, generations of our um, culture that's going to be um, impeded now. And so that will now have a reason why little Johnny ain't excelling and he's a problem in the classroom. Well, the problem came because of your teachers back when he was three. So don't blame that on him, you know, so... Yeah, so listen, you know, the clarion call is out and we're on it. Great.
Okay. And that, and thank you. That, that's a way to um, end this conversation. All of you talk about this to your colleagues, talk about it to your friends and your family. Let everybody be aware of what's happening in Winslow because at Winslow um, school number four, because the only way we're going to get results is we have to be right in front of it. We can't be afraid to talk about it. We can't be afraid to bring it to light. We have to bring it to light. We're all doing our part. I want to thank you, Anita, and your sorority for doing your part. I want to thank you, Vicki, for doing your part. I want to thank you, Lexi, for doing your part. I'm glad you're in the school system. I'm glad you're there. Don't be intimidated by being uh, one of only two or three Black uh, bodies in that space. You're needed in that space. Uh, I have the same situation as like I'm only two, only three black women in, in the school that I'm at, but we are needed in that space. And I want us to continue to be in those spaces. And I want us to continue to protect our children because that is what our call in is. Okay. Um, thank you for joining me on this call. And thank you for um, giving me your opinions. And I really do pray that, that this story gets some wings so that everybody can know what is happening to, to those babies. All right? Thank you for listening to this podcast. I encourage you to get involved in school board meetings in your communities and overall getting more involved with your children's academic journey. We all have a stake in this. These children are all of our responsibility. If you would like more information about Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry, please visit our website at shsic-ministry.com. In addition, we welcome your support. If you would like to be a supporting member of this podcast, just click on the rewards button when you sign into this program through Podbean. We would like to hear from you and even have you on this show. I am Dr. Caroline Bethia-Jones, founder of Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry. I'll see you next time.